Angela Cunnington, and this is Havilah's Podcast. I'm excited that you're tuning in today. You know, this podcast was created by Truth to Table so I could have a place to share my heart, biblical truth, simple lifestyle leadership, as well as just connect with my table community, my table tribe. So I hope that you'll spend a few minutes with me as we jump in to whatever God has put on my heart this week. And don't forget that you're never too far gone from where God wants to take you. You are loved, you are seen, and he wants to desperately know everything about you. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Let's jump into this. All right, babe, we're going to talk a little bit about opposites attract. Opposites attract. It's true. Is there a song this opposites attract? We should should. write that. Opposites, opposites attract. (laughs) Why am I doing a Paula Abdul? I don't know. I was going to go into a rap, even though I have no rhyme or lyrical uh, skill. But it feels like it should be a rap song. Right. Opposites attract. One, two, three. Wow. Wow. Let's cut that out. We need to get a life. I need to, yeah, listen to some more music. So, when we first got together, like, what was it that attracted you to me why, why was uh, I attractive I think besides imme- my body I think immediately yeah of course <laughs> your body your uh, your uh, no I think you were incredibly beautiful but I oh. think the um, I think one of the main things was your personality your um, the you were exciting to me oh. and I think that that was um, attractive for sure you were you were not like me you were um, a go-getter. You were uh, a, a talker in a good way. Like you were a communicator. And you yeah. had, had a smile on your face like nonstop. You were just super warm, super um, inviting. But just, yeah, um, I think charismatic and, and just exciting. Yeah, and I, when I first met you, I immediately felt like you were really kind like I remember like sitting across the table we met each other one evening at a dinner and as I'm sitting seated across the table I see you and I think he has the kindest eyes like he's just kind I feel I feel safe immediately I felt safe with you and I had you know um been around other guys that you know, maybe I was attracted to, or there was uh, like a desire to want to be with them. But I had this part of me, I think because I was raised with a healthy dad. um, I wasn't just looking for fireworks and chemistry that came and went as my hormones (laughs) came and went. But I was looking for, I was looking for the father of my kids. And I don't think I knew that. I don't think I set out and was like, oh, that's going to be the father of my kids. But I knew that I needed a man that I could trust. And I needed a man that I, um, like, wanted to do life with. And I, as the older I got, the more I was interested in men that I could see myself with long distance and not just, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to say hot and heavy, but that's not really what my lifestyle was so that's really not what it was in the moment in the moment right and 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 it wasn't just about getting someone to like me it was more because my personality was really it wasn't hard for me to get someone to like me and I don't mean that in like a a weird 
you know, I wasn't being manipulative, but I think friendly girls, warm girls, girls that are, you know, open and inviting guys like that. I think, I think sometimes girls are like, why isn't anybody interested in me? And sometimes it's because you're scary. Your face is scary. You know, you're cold. And so when you're kind, I think guys naturally like that. And I think girls kind of judge that and act as if the girl's being flirtatious or she's easy or she's kind of putting it all out there. But we don't realize that guys need that encouragement and we're judging those girls. But sometimes that's the reason they're getting the guys is because they're being warm and kind and you're not going to give away too much by showing interest. Sure. Right. Sure. So anyway, long story short, I think sitting across from you, I remember thinking your eyes and I still love your eyes. Like that's my favorite thing about you, but just your eyes were smiley and I love smiley eyes and like the kindness and you were so gentle and your, the conversation was authentic and, yeah, I just felt, I felt immediately connected. I don't know if I felt sparks like, oh, I want this guy. Like this is, this is what I want. I definitely don't feel like I was, um, you know, like trying to get you to ask me out or anything like that. But the chemistry was so good that night that I thought you would ask me out and you didn't. I know I didn't. Shame on me. <laughs> and I me. didn't understand why. <laughs> It's true. Well, I, you know, I was, uh, I was out of t- from out of town and you were hosting our group and our team. And so I was, you know, again, going back home 2000 miles away the next morning and kind of just not in this zone of thinking, Oh, you know, I'm going to like find a woman here. I, I wasn't quite on my radar, but, but yet, didn't you think it, it was did. weird that we drove together and you followed me out and you said <laughs> goodbye to me? Well, and again, yes. Looking behind, like you found a way to get in the car with me. I mean, it was like you were sending all the signals. Hindsight, yes. I think um, you know I didn't have a history of of dating or having previous relationships, and so it was very new to me, uh, especially in the you know just navigating and kind of putting myself out there. And so I think I was definitely, I needed a little bit of help. Okay, but but truth be told, since we're talking about opposites attracting, I think that's what made me more attracted to you because it was almost like my charm wasn't working on you and I felt like- You were like, what? Well, quite honestly, I think um, it made me trust you more because I think if you had just immediately asked me out, I would have thought, oh, this is his MO. Like, this is how he does life. And I'm just another girl that he met on the road. And so there was something about you not doing the automatic that made me go, okay, wow, this guy's like trustworthy. I like that. No, I think that makes sense. So when we first got together, um, I loved a couple things that were so opposite. And one of those things was that I loved that you were, you were a great talker as well, but you took your time. Like you would talk slowly and quietly, just like this podcast. <laughs> you would. You no, know it's true. I'm not a speed talker. You're not a speed talker. I don't have tons of words. And I grew up in a home where my dad was very much like a fast forward, like talk oh, yeah. as fast as you can and get your point he out. He was as waiting quick as to possible. talk. Yeah. Just say that. Yeah. And you weren't. And for me, it was, it put me at ease. I felt comfortable. I felt like I could, I could think about what I was saying and I wasn't trying to present my case. 
So that was something I really enjoyed as we would talk. And we spent hours on the phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We, we owe our relationship to Verizon. Three, four hours at a time sometimes. Yeah. When we were long distance. Yeah. And then I would say the thing that I really, what attracted to me about the opposite of you was you were very neat. In fact, I'll say this. Is when, it neat? Yeah, neat. Like organized. <laughs> True. When I first, when I didn't know you, but I had, we had a mutual friend. Right. The first thing I did, which I think all single girls should do this, um, in the right way, but do this is I called up our friend, Sarah, who was a mutual friend. And I said, Hey, I met Ben. I really liked him. Is he a good guy? And I I felt like I did a little research before I actually text. I actually found your number and text you kind of like this weird, just casual text uh, to see if you were interested, but I wanted to find out if you were a good guy. And the first thing she said was, well, he keeps his car really clean. (laughs) (laughs) that's actually really funny yeah she said he has this armor on Mm -hmm. she said he cleans his tires these this armor all with his (laughs) tires what was that oh yeah i was kind of known back then well again when you're single and you have all the time in the world that was kind of my you know i love to have a clean shiny car i took kind of probably too much pride in that (laughs) at the time but I do appreciate that. So yeah, I would shine the tires. It was clean inside now. It really like was clean. I mean, you I tried my, to keep I your car my, clean for the first couple of years of our my, marriage. Yeah, my best friend Sean said one time, which, which I was like, oh, maybe I have a problem. He's like, man, you you clean your car more than you read your Bible. I was like, <laughs> wow. I don't know. Maybe I should look at this. <laughs> Check my heart, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's yeah, that's not. And he's still one of your closest friends. He, just tells he is, you for sure. Thanks, Sean. True, true friends, <laughs> right? Um, so that was what was attractive to me. Um, so your pace, your um, neat, your cleanliness, um, your godliness. Your you know, you could talk about the Lord. In fact, the first time, the first months when we were together, you would pray for me at, at the end of every conversation. You would pray. That's true. And you would pray so long that one time, and we, it just took us like, I think this came out in the first year of our marriage, <laughs> but there was one time where he prayed so long, I put on speakerphone and got in the shower and took a shower. Yes. And you and I heard that. And then I just thought the phone got connected. And then, yeah, you hung up and was, and then I picked up and said, I don't know. I'm so sorry. And really the truth was I was running so late that I needed to take a shower and I couldn't interrupt your prayer. Just <laughs> saying, hey, I'm so sorry. I have to go. So what else was things that you liked about me that was opposite than you? Um, I think, let's see here. I think you had had different life experience than me that I think was attractive um, and I think interesting. I think that I, you know, we, could, we had very different families. So I think even as I was I would say as we were still, you know, getting to know each other that first year, probably, you know, when I had moved and we were, you know, even engaged, you know, but I was getting to know your family and getting to know you uh, in a more kind of everyday life yeah. sort of way, which is important. So where, where, when was the first time that you remember feeling conflicted about the opposite parts of us? Um, man, the first time. Uh, I don't know if there's a first moment, but I think, I think, yeah, probably maybe meeting, after meeting your family, uh, <laughs> no offense. Oh, wow. Um, but, okay. but kind of seeing your world, right. Of like, this is, you had a, a fairly kind of big world compared to 
compared to mine. Um, and so I think that was a little maybe intimidating at the time. Um, but yet I was also attracted to it, you know, so there was kind of this tension, I would say totally of like, man, I really, really like this and feel like this is, um, just like good for me, you know, and, and stretching and what I need and what I want. And, but yet there were the unknown parts. Yeah. And I, I think I would absolutely agree with that. When I met your family, they, they were so kind and I mean, they were like really generous in, um, hosting us and, you know, taking care of us, but the slow pace and the yeah. conversation and the simplicity was, it was almost like I saw a side of you I hadn't seen. And I began, I think when I was young and in love, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's great. But then when I started to do life with you, I realized that you, we lived very different lives and our pacing was very different. And it really bothered me because I would go to say something and you would give me a one word answer or I would share my heart and you would, you know, just say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh And I'd be like, talk Uh, to me, talk to me. And so now in our marriage, I'll say like, I need more words and you'll go, oh, okay. But it's it true. took us a lot, and a lot of our conflict was um, you would you would not let me know something was bothering you until you were angry. Yeah. And so it would be like, oh, we're fine, we're fine. And then all of a sudden, you would do something, and I would be shocked at your, your frustration or your anger because I hadn't seen it coming. And yeah. that was really surprising to me. No, I think that that's true. I think our, our you know, I, I grew up with, a, we grew up with very different communication backgrounds experiences you know again yeah you're you're uh, my family was probably more on the uh straight you know straightforward side maybe yeah. right uh of where there's uh sorry i'm just trying to navigate here in ireland roads we're, we're, we're driving in the car <laughs> you're doing good baby <laughs> um so i think yeah learning to actually have conversations share emotion share feelings you know, we didn't, I didn't grow up with that as a, as kind of a normal culture. But but you, I grew up in a very, um, passionate, I mean, I'm Italian, we had a passionate family, but I was very hesitant to get into arguments because I had conflict growing up with my family or with my sister. And it was so intense that when I got married, I wanted it to be peaceful. I was like, I want my marriage to be peaceful. I need my environment to be peaceful. I don't like conflict. Um, and so you having been like raised in the opposite environment, you were like, let's talk about things. Let's get it out. I've been waiting to kind of, kind of redefine my communication. And, but yet I I didn't necessarily have the skills. You didn't have the skills. So So you would just frustration, anger, irritation, but you wanted to get it out. And I remember resisting. So people, I think oftentimes assume that when you're loud or maybe you know, like my personality, I like to get into conflict and actually I'm actually the opposite. Yeah. And so there was a time when we really had to start, I had to say, wow, a lot of my resistance to talk about things is that I'm afraid it's going to end up being, um, con- like tit for tat and, and all of that. And you were, had to go, okay, actually I want to talk about it because I didn't get to do this growing up. And I have, I have deeper emotions and feelings about things that I maybe didn't recognize before. True. Yeah. yeah. And, and weren't able to be kind of pulled out of me probably. But I would say in the beginning, we were pretty disrespectful to each other. 
That's true. Right? Yeah. Like my my disrespect was that I would I treated you like a sister. Like I had a twin sister, so when we'd be in conflict, I became the sister. I mean, where I was calling you out on things and I was really, really verbal sure. and, and aggressive and felt like I got pushed. Yeah. And then you would treat me with anger. Yeah. Right? For sure. Yeah, I think that I re reacted instead of being able to really hear what you were saying. Well, and we sound really passive and quiet right now, but the truth was, I mean, I remember the first year of marriage, you running down the hall at me and me running in my bedroom and slamming the door and locking it. Yeah. Like, this isn't like, you know, we had a little conflict. Totally. I mean, it was I like, raised my voice no, no. I mean, it was, and I, I w I'll be honest, I wasn't used to anger. Mm -hmm. So I would immediately get scared yeah. because my dad wouldn't get mad at me like that. And yeah. so I immediately, because and you didn't have any brothers. I didn't have any brothers. So yeah. I didn't understand men. I didn't understand that you were, you were in control in, in, in your anger. Because if, when women got angry, we just kind of lose control. Yeah. And I don't think that you were like fully in control. I was mostly but in control. You were mostly in control. I wouldn't say control. I was fully in control. I think yeah. I was, yeah, I was letting it out and I was not, yeah. I mean, well, and when you're not used to something, you don't know what someone's going to do. Yeah. And so for me, I, my anger, my, my fear would rise and I would, it took us many years for me to explain to you that I was scared. That it actually wasn't me meeting you at an equal place. Yeah. And we weren't just kind of meeting each other. I was scared that you were going to do something to me. Or as a girl, I felt more vulnerable. And that was something you didn't understand as a man. Totally. Right? No, I agree. Uh, for sure. Because I didn't, I had a, a very younger sister. And so, but didn't have, again, in the, the, the culture and the environment of our home, didn't have a lot of that kind of, Really Did you have getting, any conflict? No, no, I had, I had zero, um, I would say conflict, uh, tools, communication, you know, any sort of like, we just didn't really go there. Um, so I think there, there was a lot of limitation as far as what I, um, had for skills to navigate, to engage with conflict, to share, um, you know, my own feelings or express myself, especially not in, yeah. And I think anger was the is was the only way emotion. that it came out yeah. you know which is a of, secondary emotion yeah and i think it was probably yeah triggered from from probably my you know sometimes fear my own fear of not knowing how to figure this out or not knowing how to do this uh not knowing what you need necessarily but not you know really knowing how to just say you know babe what do you what do you need and a lot of my I think weakness was that I assumed that you knew how to read my mind and that if you really loved me, you would read my mind. Sure. Like if you really knew me, yeah, then should I should know. have to say this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I had to really work through. It took me years to be able to say, I need this because there was somehow in the world of a girl, not all girls, I don't want to put you all in a, you know, but in my world and the girls I've been around, there's this kind of assumption that if you really know me, and you really love me, then you'll read my mind. You'll know what I think and what I need, and you'll meet my need before I tell you. Sure. And that's kind of movies show us that, you yeah. know, we kind of have this dramatic um, thing. And so it, it took me years to say, it's, there's, this is not that he loves you less or he he's, doesn't care. It's that he literally, um, he doesn't know. And so leading him there, 
Um, and again, I would say our conflict is still that at times where I'll say, honey, we've been together for almost 15 years. What do you think I need? And then usually it gets like a lot more heated <laughs> where you're like, I still don't know. It's true. Right? No, I think that's true. And I think that you have, have definitely allowed me to not know at times. And also I think, um, not equate that to that you don't that I don't love you right like right. me not knowing doesn't mean I don't love you or that I'm not showing up or I'm not trying or I'm not um, engaged it's just that some things take uh, longer or it's a different situation or something Hi guys, I want to take a moment to pause and let you in on something I'm really excited about and then we'll jump back into the class. You know, over at Truth the Table, we are passionate. No, we're obsessed with helping people strategize their spiritual life so that they can grow their life on purpose. They don't have to live confused. You don't have to live confused. And one of those things that we do is we put together classes and courses and things that help you know how to get there. One of the one of the topics we're tackling right now is the idea of purpose. So many people are confused about what their God-given purpose is. And our greatest fear is that we're going to leave the earth having not fulfilled our full potential. So we went to work as a team and we're really proud of this resource that can go into your library. So we'll jump back in at the end to tell you how to get it. I just want you to know that this is available right now at www.truththetable.com slash purpose. All right, let's jump back into the class. ask you what are the things that you've learned after 14 years and people like that are just married or they're learning conflict resolution and they're opposite what are things that you would say to them that's been one of your key components like for me I'll just like kind of oh I can answer it. Oh, okay good yeah I think uh, I mean I would say self-awareness stuff uh, and things that I've in the past even just couple of years you know, personality, knowing myself more and how I'm yeah. kind of wired, yeah. knowing what, how I tend to communicate or um, just how I'm just wired, I think have helped me greatly. Uh, I think recently in the last couple of years, the Enneagram um, and other personality tools like that to really know, um, hey, this is when I'm at my best, like I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm yep. going to gravitate towards these tendencies. When I'm when I'm at my worst or veering that way towards unhealthy, then I'm going to probably not, you know, I'm going to go over into these traits. I so totally I think, agree. I think that I was really, I didn't have any self-awareness. Like when I was 24, yeah. when we got married. Or 34. Or 34. Yeah, <laughs> good kidding. point. No, I'm kidding. I, so I think it's been, you know, it's been a, um, so I think that, you know, has also helped me understand you more you know like you knowing your personality knowing how you're not just your personality but like how you filter life yeah right? how you see life and what I need and what you need and what's important to you and uh, being able to actually be honest and be okay with what we both need what um, is important to us how we see life how we think um, because it's very different and I think expecting um, me expecting you to see life how I do, um, and like, you know, vice versa is just not 
going to happen. Right. So, and I, I would say for me personally, it was, and I don't know if this is the twin part of me, but it, it was really, I had to separate myself that your response is not my ownership. I don't have to own your response. True. And so I think sometimes like in the middle, I would start to feel that the conflict, how you were feeling and everything that you were experiencing was a direct connection to me. And I was responsible for that. And I feel like that was really important for me to that in your anger or frustration or what you were saying. Not that I was disconnected like, well, you're on your own. But I could actually say in my heart and in my head, this is his reaction. And I can respect that without um, having that define what's happening right now. Like I can, I can go, okay he's angry about this and that actually has nothing to do with me. It's not my chosen attitude about it. I actually feel fine about it, but I want to respect the fact that he does feel this way and I'm going to give him space to feel that way. And, and, you know, like almost, uh, validate that without making that my emotion as well. And so that was really huge because the moment I would meet you in your anger was the moment it would grow. Like if you were angry and I met you in anger, it would escalate. Sure. But if you were angry and I met you with, uh, like a rational, peaceful, not, not a sarcastic, not a disconnected, but an actual, like, I'm really sorry you feel that way. I can see how you feel that way. I can tell this is making you angry. Um, you know, what can I do? Uh, that's what it would uh, change. And I feel yeah. like that was the same way you would treat me. When I would feel emotional, you would say, I mean, just you simply saying, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. Or I'm so sorry you're feeling this way. Just that empathy was so, like, critical in my, in, in our relationship. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I had to learn empathy. And I'm still learning it. I think uh, for sure, because that was not, that was foreign to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, um, definitely being able to own our own, our own personalities, our own space, and also not believing that we're the bad guy. Cause I think sometimes in the relationship when you're not, you know, like my skills for communication are stronger, but your skills for being able to compartmentalize and be separate were stronger. And so my ability to say, okay, I am actually really good at this moment and being willing to kind of take the lead in peace. So not being the peacemaker, like, oh, I'm never going to get in a conflict and I'm just going to go along with whatever you say, Sure. but being able to say, okay, at this moment, me meeting him in anger or anxiety or fear or whatever, if I meet him at that, we're going to escalate. But if I can meet him at a different place, then I actually can be at peace. And, um, yeah, and that was really critical. I, I think as well as um, addressing it after the fact. So you and I, yeah. we might have conflict and we might, or we do, I should say, have conflict or, you know, share maybe something that's really bothering us. But we sometimes, I mean, I think this has been critical when you're opposite is we'll walk away from it and we'll give it some space. So we'll say something like, oh, I man, think I've I said all there that. is to say. Right? Or what I will you say? I know you hated that. I hate that still sometimes because I um, 
I don't like leaving things unresolved and things being kind of like, oh, I don't know how we are. But what are was right your now. fear about that? Uh, my fear was that, yeah, you're just, you're not okay with me. And I think me. That you were failing at it. That I was failing. Probably. That I was not, yeah, that you were upset at me. And I, I really didn't like, um, I just have a hard time with, with, uh, yeah, if you're not, um, not just happy with me, but like, it's the difference between like, uh, knowing that you're at peace with me. Yep. Right. And yep. knowing that like things are okay, we're connected, we're good, we're in a good place. And I think that that uh, limbo state uh-huh. it was, is was and and still is hard for me. But I think I've gotten better. At and it. one of the one of the rules of engagement that our counselor gave us at one point was that you're allowed to disengage, but you have to give the other person the time you're coming back to reengage. Yeah. So like, hey, I can't talk about it now, but tonight can we talk about it after dinner or can we talk about it tomorrow on our morning walk or whatever it is. So that way you could relax to know that I wasn't going to leave it unended, but we were going to talk about it. And then for me, I had to go back and realize I'm avoiding conflict, but it's not fair for me to not come back to the table and talk about it. So I needed to, to come back. And that was, I think, part of my own self-awareness was realizing that I had no problem leaving it unresolved. Mm, yeah. Like no problem. Like I, I don't want to go back into this because I don't, I don't like conflict. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to be willing to go, like, because I love you and because I want us to have a long-distance marriage, I had to be willing to go back to painful things that we talked about or things that we went through and had to be willing to go back in and um, give myself permission to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And that um, that the only way to get to it was we had to go through it. It's true. And I think, uh, I mean, I remember though, I th- a lot of the, my fear maybe, or not, like not being okay, letting it go was because I knew that I had been disrespectful to you or out of anger, um, you know, had overreacted. And then we're having to take a pause and I'm not able to, so I have to kind like of sit it in up my, a little yeah, bit. yeah, exactly. Cause then I want to clean it up. But yet you're saying, no, I need to wait. And I just, that was just, it's just the worst. Yeah, because what <laughs> I felt that the cycle was is if you're, if you treat me poorly and then one second later, I'm like, it's fine. Right. Then you would almost write it off as that it wasn't a big deal or that I, it didn't affect me. And sure. so the only way for me to show you that it affected me was actually, no, you can't treat me like that. And actually you're going to have to feel the consequences to how you talk to me and the consequences wasn't me screaming at you and yelling at you or degrading you. The consequences was you don't get to be in a relationship with me right now. Like I love you. And I would say that to you, I love you, but I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to to just resolve it at this second. Yeah. And it was that it was almost like teaching you that you, and not teaching you like you're my kid, but just in in, in relationships, like any relationships that are in my life, you, you know, this is what you have to, you have to be respectful with me to be around me. Yeah. And that's the standard I have for anybody in my life. And so that was critical. And I think even with our boys, I do that where, you know, no, you'll have to go to your room right now. And no, 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 mom, no, mom. It's okay, mom. It's okay. No, no, no. Uh, why don't you go to your room and think about it? And yeah. in about, you know, 20 minutes, let's talk about it. And just letting them understand that how you treat people 
is actually it matters. It matters, and lot, it might yeah. actually remove remove you from their presence. Yeah, and so that was really critical. Sure. Um, and then I would say, um, there's a time as well where you have to not take yourself so seriously. I mean, I think in the beginning of our marriage, True. we were ridiculously serious. Oh yeah. Don't I you was, think I like was, overly? Well, I'm kind of naturally as maybe an over serious person. Mm -hmm. So it probably intensi no, it intensifies. You think you are? Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's true. I think me, um, not taking things so serious, not being so intense about, uh, certain things. I think I have a tendency to take things, uh, overly personal as well. Um, which, yeah, I think that that can, that can make it more hard than it needs to be. Well, it's almost like it was either right or wrong rather than just yeah, reality. True. Like, like, like you couldn't, it was really hard for you to go, um, that to feel that you were loved, even if you were wrong. Yes. Does that make sense? And, ex and, and know that in my heart, right? right? Like, Hey, I know she still loves me. I messed up or I didn't treat her well, or I'm going to have to kind of sit here in the, the, the tension of things are not how I want them to be Yeah, at peace or resolve. And there's nothing worse than being in conflict with your spouse because you got to live with them. And so for me, you know, that was the most difficult part of being a woman who was 27 before she was married was that all conflict in my life, you know, I could get away with, I could get away from, you sure. know? So if it was in the workplace, I could leave early or I could just fake it for a little bit. Yeah. But in marriage, you can't fake it. There's only so long that you can go, okay, it's not a big deal. And then eventually they're in your space at all times. Oh, so yeah. that was really hard for me. No, I really that, hard for me. I think that, you know, I'm always reminded of when we first got married, you know, and, and just, um, I mean, a, a man I look up to, you know, a, a pastor, teacher, Bible teacher, he once said, um, before I was married, I thought I was uh, so holy, you know, but really I was just undisturbed. Totally. And that is really a great picture of, the, especially the beginning of marriage, but I think marriage in general, you know, it's like when you're single, you have all the time in the world. You do. It's just you, you're living a you fairly selfish life, you know, not, not maybe intentionally, but it's, you don't know anything self -focused. different. Self-focused. Self-focused. Yeah. Self-focused. It's your, your world is, you know, is mostly, yeah, you're just used to being by yourself, right. Or doing things your way or, uh, yeah, just avoiding things if, if it's, if it's a conflict with somebody. So I think, um, marriage does it's they're they're right there you're right there in the morning when we wake up and so if we had a rough night the night before then you know you gotta you gotta figure that out and i think you know the buttons got pushed and, in me that that were never pushed before totally and i i would say for me in like all transparency and vulnerability it was very difficult for me to be intimate after mm -hmm. we had had conflict it sure. was like it felt like I wanted everything to be at peace before we could have sex. Like I wanted it to be resolved. And the Lord began to really talk to me about that. I mean, that the Lord began to work on me and began to say, you know, Havala, um, sex is important in marriage. It's, it's really important. And sex is a way that a man feels connected and a woman, woman does too, but women are, you know, a little more emotional. We need that kind of wooing and romance, yeah. but a man has no problem having sex and then 
working it out. And a woman wants to work it out before she has sex. And, and not, not this is very generalization. Like you have to figure out your own marriage. But for me, I had to realize that if I really loved Ben, I could stay powerful in our sex in our sexual relationship. But staying powerful meant that I could give him myself even when I didn't want, I didn't feel, I should say, that it was everything was perfect and roses and romantic, but I could love him by giving him myself. And at the afterward, after we would be intimate, I realized that you had the capacity at times to hear me differently and to respond differently to me. And I have found that some of our most intimate and deep conversations and most, I would say, connected conversations have been after sex, where we've been able to go, hey, you know that thing? It really bothered me. Or, hey, you know, I've been feeling this. And you're way more open to hearing me because you feel close to me. And that was really hard. I remember there were times when I would just cry and go, I don't want to do this. And in the middle of it, feel this like war internally, but realizing that the enemy didn't get that part of our story. And I, I really had to learn that sex was not a weapon that I could use as a woman. That was, I could use it, but it would hurt. And it wasn't something for me to use against you. And so and I, I feel like, I mean, I think that's true in our marriage, right? I don't think I've used sex as oh, a weapon. Sure. You mean to withhold it from me because yep. you're punishing me or making me yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, pay. Do you think I've done that? No, not at all. No, you've been, um, I think, very, I think you've really leaned into that. And I think early on, you definitely um, chose to, yeah, like lean into connection and intimacy, even if things weren't uh, perfect or if things weren't right, or even if we had unresolved things or hurt each other or you were hurt. And yeah, I think that it it is a powerful, um, not, not a powerful tool, but a powerful... It is, yeah. Uh, not, yeah, it's a powerful tool, I think, that that is not just obviously for... Um, you know, making babies and it's fun, but I think it's, there's a, there's an amazing bond that takes place that is, um, that is healing, you know, that I think that brought and has brought healing in those moments. I do too. And I, I think, um, I, you know, the Bible's really clear. If you look at the original part of the Bible, it says that worship, excuse me, sex is like worship. And I really do, like there was a moment in our marriage, I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, your greatest weapon against the enemy and the greatest uh, weapon against the destruction of your marriage is having sex with your husband. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Because the world doesn't talk about that. But for me, what he was saying is, is that there's a bond. God created marriage and he created sex and he wanted us to have that. But sex was created. It's so powerful that he wanted it only to happen in marriage so that it could be protected. And I just, I think sometimes I, you know, I'm like, okay, enemy, you want to keep Ben and I apart? You want to, you want to put a wedge, a division in us? You want to bring conflict? You want to destroy another godly marriage? all right, well, I'm going to have sex with my husband tonight and we're going to enjoy it. And you don't get to define it because you didn't create it and you can watch. (laughs) It's just a sense (laughs) of like, I still am powerful and I have this tool in my marriage that, that bonds us and connects us. 
I don't mean that all sex is like the, fireworks. The fi- yeah, the, the fix all. No, not at all. But I think there's something, and I've learned that in our own lives. And I would say, you know, not everybody has this, so I don't want this to be a place of shame for you. Because I think we all have areas we have to grow in, and like it's our conflict. But sex hasn't been that for us. And sex has been probably one of the most, um, I'm going to say successful parts of our relationship in the sense that it's one of the things we connect on and has not been a conflict, not, not yeah. been a place of pain. No, so there are people that definitely have that. And so I don't want anyone to feel ashamed as they're listening to this because you probably get along better or you probably, you know, uh, maybe it's financing, maybe it's sex, maybe it's relationship, maybe it's culture, whatever it is, we all have areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and trust me, Ben and I have not gone without conflict but that hasn't been the area of conflict. And so instead of looking at that as like, yeah, yeah, we've used that as a tool because it isn't an area of conflict and it's been a place of like, I want to say strength. strength. Yeah. We've used it, I think too, as a tool in our marriage to stay close. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. That's great. So all that to say, um, I would say opposites attract. I think one other thing I was thinking about, Uh, with opposites attracting was really like celebrating and acknowledging each other's strengths Yeah. Um, because oftentimes those can be opposite as well at least they are for us you know like your strengths you're good in so many things that I'm not and I'm good in things that you're not you know and I think um, being able to leverage leverage those celebrate those and not be uh, not expect yourself to be good in the things that you're not good in, but actually say, Hey, I'm your, this is why we're here. This is why we're together right. is because you add these things to my life. Um, it's not, I'm bad at these. It's that, uh, you add the things that I'm not great at to my life. And likewise, you know, me with you. And I feel in my own world, I've had to acknowledge that. So instead of resenting it, I almost have to be like, isn't that cute? Like, it's not funny. Like, and, and in my head, almost um, make it charming rather than resenting it. Like, isn't it, it, you know, look at how clean you are. I think that's so amazing. You're so clean. <laughs> rather than being like, oh, you picked up everything and I look like the slob. Um, you know, just realizing like, wow, and acknowledging it. Like sometimes yeah. if I just say, babe, I love that you're so clean. It makes, it almost gives me permission to like, reframe it like that yeah rather than just well and for me it'd be like man i am terrible with directions and i always <laughs> feel stupid about it right but instead of like you know feeling stupid beating myself up i'm like you know what babe you are in charge of directions yes right like you drive if i need to like let you drive because i'm making wrong turns and and being dangerous driver because i'm like you know, don't know where I'm going, <laughs> which has happened. Um, so things like that. Yeah. So wherever you are, like, no, we are, we have a long ways to go. We're 14 years in almost, and it takes time, but, um, you'll, you'll be amazed that even the parts of your marriage that were conflicts in the beginning will end up being some of your most favorite things about them. If you can work it out. Mm-hmm. And we, we have had a lot of help 
Like we have not tried to do our marriage on our own. We have always reached out and asked for counsel. We had premarital counseling. We had counseling after we were married. We went to professional counseling. We went to coaching. I mean, I've gone to counseling on my own. Ben's gone to counseling on his own. So, you know, we have always had help. And sometimes, you know, even to reframe it, we've just said, yeah, we need a coach. We need to be coached through this relationship. And so I would say if you're in conflict, um, you need to reach out for help. Stop thinking that just giving it time or, you know, just fighting it out is going to help. Uh, your kids are watching you. Your heart is being damaged. Uh, you need some more tools. And so rather than act like you need to be an expert in something you've never done before, reach out and get help, get some tools. And your spouse may not actually want help, well, you know what? You can change a lot in your life by just you getting tools and you getting help. Yeah, and sometimes true. I think one of the greatest distractions is us like wanting our spouse to figure it out so we can be at peace. And what you're doing is you're giving your power away and you're giving your your ability for transformation away. So, you know, it's amazing. I've seen women that have been married to punks and they live abundant lives because yeah, they have to get their needs met in other ways and they may have to figure out that, wow, my husband's not a believer. And so this idea of, wow, if I had a, a Christian husband, it would be easier. It probably would be easier. But the truth is um, that where you are right now, God is going to help you and he can give you tools and it's not over. And uh, this is, you can begin to live that abundant life even now. And if you are dating someone who is not a believer, I want to challenge you. Marriage is difficult. Don't think that marriage is going to solve their lack of spirituality or their lack of morality. It is not. In fact, it's going to hurt you even more. And when you add kids to the mix, it can even cause such conflict in a marriage. I mean, you, you don't know pain until you have a spouse that doesn't know God and you're trying to move on in your life. So if you're at a place right now where you're thinking, it's not a big deal. I think there's a lot of women in here that would say, please don't, don't do that. Life is hard enough. Um, pause, wait for God, wait for the right one in your life. Yeah. It's not worth it. Sex is not worth it. Uh, the idea of marriage is not worth it. A ring on your finger is not worth it. Uh, you want God's will for your life. And I, I would much rather be single and be able to lead my life in a faith-focused, God-centered way than to be married and be at conflict every single day, going trying to go the opposite direction as my spouse yep. simply because I got the, the picture that I wanted in my head. So I think that that's really, really critical wherever you are. That's really good. All right, you guys, we love you. Love we hope it. that this ministered to you wherever you are. Marriage is a God idea. So get married, have babies, but do it with God. Absolutely. Don't do it alone. That's right. All right. Love you guys. Okay. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Well, I hope that really blessed your life. I hope that everything God is trying to get to you, you grabbed a hold of. Again, don't forget to give me a shout out on the socials. I'm there almost every day. And if this podcast really spoke to you, would you consider leaving a review so others can find this podcast? and as well as some stars. I hope you have a great day and I'll catch you next time.